Hi, I'm Sam Simon, and I'm the grandpa, and I always think deep. Hi, I'm Emily Simon. I'm the granddaughter, and I'm always wondering, in every conversation we have, why does grandpa always think deep? Emily, we're ready for episode two. I am too. Let's get started. What were you thinking for this week? Well, I was thinking that you're about to go back to college and made me think about my freshman and sophomore years. You're going to be a sophomore at the University, yes, of, I am, indeed. University of Delaware. And I was at the University of Texas at El Paso. That's what it's called now, but in 1963, it was called Texas Western College the College of Mines or the School of Mines, because it used to be the College of Mines, because they taught mining, believe it or not. I didn't know you had to go to college to learn how to mine. It was geology. Oh, ge I do like rocks. Rocks are cool. <laughs> and there are a lot of strange rocks in El Paso. <laughs> People don't know that El Paso, Texas, on the border of Mexico, in the corner of Texas, is the last mountain of the Rocky Mountains, Mount Franklin, divides El Paso. And they were a lot of geology students and studying the geology in El Paso. But what struck my mind and I was thinking about is how turbulent my undergraduate years were. And I'm sort of thinking might be turbulent today too. I mean, it certainly is. Yeah. So what was it like for you? Well, the biggest thing that happened my freshman year was President Kennedy was assassinated. Mm -hmm. And it was a dramatic event and day. I was actually walking into what was then, and it's funny, I even now think of it as the new liberal, <laughs> new liberal arts building. And I believe it was a Thursday for some reason. And Was it a Thursday? We can verify that. We can verify <laughs> that. And I walked into the campus going to a history class and... There was commotion in the hallways or in the entry to the building. It wasn't clear what was going on. And I noticed someone I knew, I saw walking toward me, almost running. And this, I think it was a, a, like a, a startled or frightened look on her face. And Who was this? Just like a random person? I, it's somebody you know I knew. Her? I don't remember yeah. her name, but somebody I knew. And I, I remember saying, well, what's going on? And she rushes past me. She doesn't stop, but then... I look back, she stops, turns around, says, the president's been shot. That's such a dramatic way to find out. And it is confusing. I, you know, there's clearly chaos in the building. But our classroom is nearby, and I see the doors open, and I walk in, and the teacher says, sit down, telling everybody to sit down. And Professor Porter, is it was his name, I still remember that name, and he didn't say a thing at first. Today's lesson is, and he went through to whatever that lesson was. And then at the end of the lecture, at the end of the hour, by the way, throughout that, you can look at the class door. You know, I had a glass on the doorway, yeah. in the hallway, and you could see people running classes being dismissed. Oh, that sucks. And we're sitting there, and he's just going on. He says, societies can be strengthened by how they adjust to dramatic changes like the assassination today of President Kennedy and Governor Connolly. Now, it turns out Connolly recovered, but we didn't know it at the time. And that was clearly a stunning moment in the world. And it affected, you know, the atmosphere of the country and everything for the next, most of the next 
school year. And as President Johnson took office and the changes began, so too the Vietnam War began to become more important on the scene and became another by our sophomore year, which is going to be your year this year. Yep. The Vietnam War was controversial on the campus. A lot of students, including my very best friend, were very anti-war. Now, I was in ROTC. And I can That's talk funny. To, well, I can talk about it because, you know, you have an uncle who's a retired two-star general, and my parents wanted me to be an officer in the Army. They thought it was patriotic. And I went through ROTC. It was sort of part of the family pressure to do well. Yet my best friend was very anti-war. <laughs> it was a complicated time. And it got, by the sophomore year, it got very scary also, not only on campus, but in the city. There was a march, an anti-war march that my friend was involved. They went down to the main plaza in El Paso. They just marched with anti-war signs in a circle. And people came down and they pushed them and they you know, the people from the city who were pro-war were very threatening to these protesters, reminding sometime of today of things that are going on. And I'm sort of wondering, sort of how do you feel? I, you know, I can see the world through my eyes, and it seems like we're in similar times. What's going on in campus for you? Well, I, I want to know what was going on in campus for you first. <laughs> um, I'm going to take that ball and just chuck it right back to you. You made it sound like, from what you described, that most of the people on campus, like in colleges, were anti-war, and the people who were not in colleges were pro-war. But, like, was it a controversial issue, like, on campus? Not just within the city, but, like, on campus. The campus was also divided, though not quite the same way. You have to understand, too, El Paso, Texas, had both a major army base and a major air force base, now, it was the other side of our town, and it was a very important part of the city, its economy and presence. So there was a lot of retired military, active military, a lot of contractors yeah. who supported the military. So the community would be considered... Hawkish. Hawkish and supportive of the military. And the campus was a college campus. I think anti-war sentiments was more clear in other parts of the country, so we were aware of it. But compared to, I would say, other parts of the country, while there was a distinct anti-war and growing anti-war sentiment among students, it wasn't as large as some other parts of the country. It just so happened that my best friend was at the center of that community in our town. We were a border town. It yeah. wasn't, it was interesting. There weren't other protests. There weren't other controversial activities going on. El Paso was considered relatively quiet town. The border issues that we have today weren't big issues in that town. And in fact, the Mexico side and the American side were very simpatico. A lot of El Pasoans citizens would have homes in Juarez because it was cheaper to live there. And we all had somebody working in our homes who lived in Mexico, or we called them maids, but they were domestic help. We in our home had a maid at home. And in fact, my mother worked, my dad worked. There was five of us. So it was a very quiet town, but we had this stuff going on on campus. That's really interesting. 
So to pivot back to my experience about the war in Ukraine, I think it's really interesting because the Vietnam War was so controversial at the time. But when the war in Ukraine started in my freshman year, I remember it very well. I So every student at UD, I'm very lucky that UD offers us all free New York Times and free Wall Street Journal subscriptions. So I was frantically checking both of those on my computer in the days leading up to the war because I knew that it was bad. Like every day I would check my computer and things just looked like they were getting worse and worse and worse. And then one day I go to NYT.com and I open it up and then there it is. There's war with Ukraine. There it happened. And I just remember being like, oh my God. Because I, at the time, I like thought that the U.S. was going to get involved. I was, I was sure of it. I just, I don't know what made me think that, but I did. And it was like very deeply concerning to me. I didn't like the fact that there was a war happening anywhere in the world. It was, I was upset about it. But the thing is, it wasn't controversial at all. Like everyone agreed that Russia was bad and Ukraine was good. Were there any demonstrations on campus in support of the war? There were, there were demonstrations on campus in support of Ukraine, yes. So did you go to any of them? I did not. I regret that, but I, I did not. Yeah. Your campus is, I've not been there. I hope to visit you someday. Yeah. Let me just for Texas Western back then, it, it was, even though it was a college and became a university, it was in a very confined part of town. It was large, but it wasn't spread out. It wasn't intermixed. It was a college campus only. And we're on the edge of the west side of town. Yeah. And many commuters, not I lived at home, there were dorms. We'll talk about I met your mom <laughs> there and she was living in a dorm. But University of Delaware campus, I have this sense that maybe larger or intermixed more with the neighborhoods. Okay, so the University of Delaware is definitely a very traditional college campus. We've got a big green that runs down the middle of campus. Every All the buildings are brick. So there's Main Street of Newark runs directly adjacent to campus. Like it's almost essentially, or at least a section of Main Street is, the old part of Main Street is basically adjacent. It almost feels like it's an extension of the campus. You see mostly college students walking around. I think sometimes you do see townies, but most of the part, for the most part, it's students. There's a lot of student housing on Main Street and general off-campus student housing. There's dorms. Every freshman lives in a dorm. There are dorms for sophomores, but some choose to live off campus. And then by junior year, pretty much everyone's living off campus. I'm picturing, because I have a vision of Columbia and New York, <laughs> that there's a big town street. And then off to one side of it, if you would look, there's a gate and there's an entry to the university. And then there's all these campus things behind, something like that. Mm, not quite. The green one runs actually perpendicular to Main Street. Right. Yeah, but it's, yes, that's pretty it's much... Not which, parallel, yeah, but it's not perpendicular. parallel, but it's perpendicular, yeah. yeah. You, you got the idea, pretty much. So, in Newark, Delaware is definitely very much a college town. There are definitely neighborhoods that are student housing neighborhoods, and then there are neighborhoods that are regular people who aren't in college. So, there's that. It's also part of, definitely, the greater Philly metro area. A lot of the people who go there are from the greater Philly metro area. And you're not too far from the city, so sometimes people will go into the city and do things. Well, for the most part, it's got a very strong campus culture. So, you know, we I think we're going to talk about this later, but when we're sort of on the topic, what is coming to my mind is I lived at home, and then you're going away to campus. And it was a very different, it feels to me, so I'm a little curious, were you nervous? Or what's it like not being at home compared to... Yeah, I came home every night and it felt very, 
it didn't feel dramatic. It didn't feel like a big divide in my life. You know, I was in high school, I'd go home and come. Now I just go to a different campus and come back. What about you? What's it, what's it like having, was it a big change? Was it nervous? Oh, going to college was definitely a big change, one that I was definitely looking forward to. I hadn't really liked high school very much. So I was definitely looking forward to the opportunity to get a fresh start and meet new people and really just kind of turn over a new leaf. So I was really looking forward to that. I kind of basically had to build up the, my community and people that I knew from scratch. And it was a little, it was lonely at first because I didn't, before I really made deep bonds with people, but I definitely have found my community at this point. So I, it was something that I was very excited to do. You know, but it's funny or similar because it's funny because it's similar. Yeah. I did not have a great high school experience, even though it was this, just, you know, the high school was one direction. The college was a slightly different, about the same distance away. But I didn't do really well in high school. I had a, just a hard time adjusting. I didn't feel like I was in an in crowd. And I was determined in college to at least do make good grades. And I really studied hard. And I, I did do pretty well, which was different for me. And I had a very different experience in college. And of course, a lot of my high school friends went off to other colleges, didn't stay at home. So there was a, a bit of a change. But it, is, it sounds like it's been similar getting adjusted to a new way and sort of putting that high school thing behind, behind leave us. it behind <laughs> that's really funny but you know the january 6th and the current political system i feel very unstable i i think, agree i think in some ways i had not had this thought thank you emily but i wonder whether the january 6th event and the assassination of John F. Kennedy, the President of the United States, weren't similarly destabilizing to the country. So personally, I can't speak to how JFK's assassination like impacted the country, but I can speak to January 6th. So I, personally, on January 6th, 2021, I was a senior in high school and I was taking dual enrollment credits with community college. At the time, high school was in session, but community college was on their winter break. So I had high school classes to take, but not community college ones. And on that particular day, the only high school class I had was one, it was AP Human Geography, and it was in the morning, and then I had the rest of the day free. So at the time, the Georgia election results were still coming in. So I took my AP Human Geography class on the couch downstairs. I had the TV on some cable news network, and it, I had it on mute, so I could keep track of the votes as they were coming in for John Ossoff's race. And after class was over, I closed my laptop and I turned on the TV and they were like, we're going to have footage of the certification of the votes. There's a crowd outside the Capitol protesting. And I remember thinking, it's probably going to be nothing. They're just going to film them certifying the votes. So film the protesters outside and that'll be that. But I felt like procrastinating on a homework assignment I had to do. So I was like, whatever, I'll watch it. And I watched them count that it was... Alabama, Alabama was certified just fine. Alaska, certified just fine. Arizona. And they didn't want to certify Arizona. And I remember they didn't want to certify Arizona and all of the Republicans were clapping for not certifying Arizona. And my eyes just like bulged out of my head. And I was like, these elected officials are clapping for not democracy. And it was terrifying to me. And that was just the first sense of horror. And I... After that, I remember Congress having to get down, having to be evacuated, and I, I just sat in front of the TV and I watched the entire thing happen. Hmm. 
And I was terrified. I was terrified. They got so close to getting into the house chamber with people still in there. But you know, that in some ways... It was terrifying. I was terrified. And so now when I meet people who indicate that they like are Trump supporters, I'm like, what were you thinking on January 6th? Were you happy? Were you secretly excited? Were you outright overjoyed? Because I was terrified out of my mind of what would happen if like all of Congress got killed. I was so scared. So I think all of this is to say that it can make it hard to communicate with people who think differently from you because all I can think is what were you thinking on January 6th? But, you know, we can think a little bit though about, which is really interesting to me, how in some ways the two events so many years apart and how fragile our democracy is. The assassination of a president, it wasn't on any, anybody's public radar. It, it seemed to be just a routine, I mean, a campaign stop and, you know, yeah. you go here, you go there. I do, I have since learned something that there was a, there was concern about that within the CIA, I've learned. But TVs weren't as brilliant. There was no internet. You know, there's a picture of Johnson taking oath of office in an airplane. You know, they were knocking down the Capitol because nobody knew if this was part of a larger plot. So there is that equivalency that I'm, I've not read or seen much about that other people have put the two days and moments together. I think they're quite similar. Now, there were radical groups in the 60s. The John Burt Society was being formed, but not quite like what's going on today. I don't see them. What was the John Burt Society? So, which I don't know if the John Burt Society still exists. They were this super right wing. You know, I'm trying to think of what their agenda was. They were being sort of followed by the FBI too, because they thought maybe they were against, they were so anti-democratic, they they were so anti-communist, they saw a communist behind everything everything and so they they had that kind of mentality which is not really what i hear today so it sounds like we both have had some similar experiences so many years apart different but i think the impact in some ways is the same it makes me think about how fragile our democracy is and certainly how many of us can feel about what might happen. Now, your point about wanting to engage with others, the, I don't think anybody I knew was glad that the president was shot. And there were a lot of anti people who did not support the President Kennedy. Or if they didn't think he should have been assassinated. But at least not that I remember being talked about. There's a lot of history we don't need to talk about at the Bay of Pigs, and there was a failed military incursion into Canada and there are people blame the Kennedy and you know there's a lot going on but that was a traumatic and dramatic effect and the continuation of government which is you know again similar right now the continuation of government was at stake and the swearing in of a new president in the moment on the tarmac was very dramatic to me so was watching People climbed through windows into the Capitol. Uh, you know, a protester being shot in the head by, uh, you know, they were diving towards the doors. Those are 
those are equal, you know, we didn't all get to see the shot fired. There were videos of it. That was almost in real time. Very different, but very events, but very similar events. Yeah. So Emily, speaking about protest and disruptions on campus and in the country, you know, the other thing that's going on right now is a radical Supreme Court decision on abortion. Of course, Roe v. Wade was announced when, so 50 years ago, that would have been when we were still, I was still in college, and I don't remember any protests. I do remember the concern about abortions because when I was in college and there were issues about, for young women, the coat hanger kind of abortions or leaving and coming back, there was some talk about that. Then they, the Roe v. Wade. Now, in your era, it's been overturned. How has that impacted campus and what's going on in your life? Well, I remember the day when, it was not the day when the Supreme Court agreed to overturn Roe versus Wade, it was when the majority opinion draft was leaked. I remember I got up because I FaceTimed my parents and I was just like wanting to like, yada, 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 talk about my day. And they were like so mad and distraught. And I was like, what happened? They told me what happened and I was like, oh my God. I mean, I guess we had all kind of known it was coming, but uh, yeah, it was bad. And there was a protest on campus. Because the issue was so touchy, I was honestly afraid to talk about it with like anyone. So for a few days, nothing happened. And then there was a protest on campus. Did you go to it? I did. The problem is I had to read a book that I had been putting off reading all semester. So there was no excuse if I had it late. So I sat on a picnic blanket near the protest and just kind of read my book. And so, so I was physically there to show my support. I wasn't chanting because I was reading the book, but I tried to be there as best I could while still doing the things I need to do. How has that affected the campus? I mean, is it still a, an issue? Is it still ongoing? Are people still talking about it? Are there any more protests? Well, I don't know. It happened right towards the end of the school year. Because it was the end of the semester. It was during finals. So, not really. I I left maybe a day during summer course. I don't know because I wasn't there over the summer. So, the answer is I don't really know. Delaware is a blue state. I do think abortion is still legal there. So, the concern is not so much for the state of Delaware as it is for people who live in states where abortion is likely to be banned or has been already. So... Tell me for a minute, if you're comfortable, why do you support the Roe v. Wade idea? And I guess the counter-argument that is life begins at conception and there shouldn't be a right to terminate it. I am of the belief that people don't exist until they're born. So, yeah. Like, you don't... So, so it's not a human life. An embryo is not it's a, a human life until so. it survives. Yeah. I do understand, like, the line of thinking that says it is a human life. However, I I do understand where the line of thinking comes from, that, like, an embryo is a human life. However, you don't exist until you're born, and you actually can live in the world independently, and you... I guess you can't really live independently as a baby, but I just don't think people exist until they're born. Well, it's a Judaism. How would you document that legally, right? Like, what's the day of conception? I don't know. Like, it could be any multiple days. Like... If there's no documentation that you exist, there's no real way to document it. The day you're born is the first day you exist, in my opinion. Well, Judaism even goes further than that. Judaism actually technically 
doesn't recognize you have to be viable for a week. That's why the the bris and the naming. Now, in practice, it doesn't mean you can just leave the leave a newborn baby to die, but you know the naming and the recognition of the humanity comes from an era where the baby was viable and livable with the then known medical capacities of ancient history, and that was usually about a week out. Now, modern medicine still requires the baby to have been born and viable with available medical treatments. And you know, there's also the issue of you know the autonomy of the woman, the right to choose what goes on. And I think that's a complicated issue because you know we don't allow self-mutilization, and you know people can be declared incompetent, and people can do self, you know, suicide by can't stop some people. It's not considered legal. You can't help somebody commit suicide. So there are rules about treating killings. But the right to be in control of one's own body and choices and faith, you know, for example, in Judaism, abortion, you know, pre-birth termination of a pregnancy is well within Jewish, mainstream Jewish belief. So we can't practice our Jewish beliefs in a state in which says you can't do that. It's complicated because there are other things that you're not allowed to do that would, you know, like rituals with poisonous snakes, where it was ruled, yes, you can outlaw those. So it it is a complicated issue. I certainly think it's complicated. I feel like this goes back to what I said in the last episode about how, you know, we have religion to answer those questions that don't have a definitive scientific answer. And I feel like this is kind of one of those things. And And I would add a democracy and a constitutional democracy that values personal autonomy and choice in community. Community means you need to have a common set of rules to enable people to live together in peace and harmony and prosperity. And imposing one's core beliefs on others. And maybe we'll save this for another discussion, because I do think we're going to talk one day about our Jewish heritage in more detail. But, you know, there are those we hear today saying we are a Christian nation. Therefore, everybody in the United States must live a life by the most conservative Christian values. And that I don't think is freedom. No, it's not freedom at all. It's a theocracy. It's a theocracy. It's a place in in a country whose founding document says that you're... No theocracy. Exactly. Well, listen, I love talking to you about this stuff and comparing our different eras and ages on things that matter. And I think our next session, we're going to continue sort of this exploration. And I hope people will tune in. And, you know, send us an email if if you have questions or if you have your own views. Or if you have an idea for a topic. We'll love your topics. What did your father or grandfather do? And how do you see that? How has it affected you? So again, thank you, Emily, for time out of your very busy schedule. (laughs) All right. Thank you, Grandpa.